0: The following may contain satire that will offend absolutely everyone. I want to apologize in advance for the fact that I don't care. A new list is making the rounds of non-gendered anatomical language that can be used as a way to describe men and women so that no one knows what anyone is talking about. The list was published by the Society Dedicated to Making Life as Miserable as Humanly Possible and was accompanied by a statement saying, quote, We at the SDMLMHP are committed to taking the most joyous and pleasurable part of life and transforming it into a problem in order to satisfy the needs of a small number of unhappy neurotics by making us all as bitter and depressed as they are. To that end, we offer this list of meaningless and unattractive phrases to ensure men will turn to pornography instead of actual women and women will sit home on Saturday nights weeping into their pillows enjoy," unquote. The list suggests that we no longer use the word breastfeeding to describe the humanizing act of love and unity that creates contentment and connectedness in the hearts and minds of mother and child alike, but instead call it chest feeding as a way to render us as bat-dung crazy as the people who made this list. The substitution of chest for breast will also come in handy in such phrases as, Oh boy, look at the pair of chests on that tomato, and I'm going to sneak up behind my coworker and grab her by the chest, because grabbing her by the breast would be wrong. The list also suggests replacing the word women, I'm not making this up, replacing the word women with persons who menstruate, as in the phrase, persons who menstruate, can't live with them, can't can't live without him. And in the song, why can't a person who menstruates be more like a person who produces sperm from the famous musical, my fair person who menstruates and also knows how to behave. The list further suggests you don't use the word prostate. <laughs> so you can't explain why you have to go to the bathroom six times in the middle of the night. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is the Andrew Claven show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, let us continue laughing our way through the fall of the republic. Go to my YouTube channel, Andrew Clavin, the personal YouTube channel, and subscribe. It has been brought to my attention that Knowles has more subscribers on his YouTube channel than I do. I have not, I can't confirm this, I haven't checked it out personally because it would mean being exposed to Knowles's content, which automatically deducts points off your IQ but go on mine subscribe leave a, a comment if your comment is worthwhile we will read it on the air today we have one from Enoch Yang who says during during the previous Clavenless weekend I had a dream where I met the bald ruler of the multiverse and I amused him with a joke about Brian Stelter to which the Democrats promptly sent us to our execution knowing that we were the last ones who knew how to spell Claven I can't, can't wait to be psychologically infiltrated in this upcoming weekend. Uh, Enoch Yang. That's too much information, basically. Uh, from, from the start of the pandemic, uh, I haven't joined some of my friends on the right uh, in overreacting to reasonable health measures. I thought given what we knew at the time, a 15-day lockdown to ensure our health system wasn't overwhelmed, was fair enough. And I thought reopening after that with sensible, sensible cautious measures seemed wise. To my mind, the only really important thing was that we save the clavin on whom our existence depends. But if people are no longer listening to even reasonable health directives it is not the people who are to blame we did exactly what we were asked to do it's the authorities and the press who are completely at fault 100 at fault they're double dealing hypocrisy overreach authoritarian bullying all of it stripped them of every ounce of credi- credibility and made it impossible for us to take them seriously or believe a word they say the hysterical exaggerations of the computer models the contradictory advisories about masks the mathematical inanity of counting case numbers rather than death toll and of comparing death tolls to war fatalities and the relentless and largely unfair attacks on the president of the United States on both the left from both the left and the right which came out of sheer infantile hatred, all of that has stripped the experts, the authorities, and the press of their ability to help us weather the plague. Shame on them. If we turn our backs on them, and we should, it's their fault, not ours. But of all the transgressions that revealed that our authorities and press are empty vessels, the worst one was the hypocrisy of jeering at those who protested the lockdowns and then cheering for those who rioted and looted in the cause of destructive anti-American socialism under the lying name of Black Lives Matter and Antifa. To say that the government can allow radical misbehavior while banning church services is to say that the First Amendment does not exist. Governors and mayors do not get to decide who gets to speak or worship. We all know that the First Amendment not existing is something the corporate media Democrats, socialist BLM complex wishes were true. We are now heading into the 4th of July with our institutions emptied of meaning. Our authorities and experts have failed us 100%. It's not us that has failed. It's them. So that means it is up to us to start bringing America back. Do not neglect to celebrate this weekend. Go to fireworks displays. Go to whatever is happening in your town. Wave the flag. Give no credence to Black Lives Matter. They are wicked. Stand up to your friends who threaten to dump you if you don't post black squares and whatnot. Use your First Amendment or lose it and go to church or join a church or start a church or gather with friends to worship the one great God who endowed us with our rights. You can't defend an empty building, and we can't count on the courts or politicians to defend our faith with anything but useless words. The flag can't wave itself. The cross can't carry itself. Show up for the 4th of July. All right. I mean, I I keep getting asked about People keep asking me about friends who are dumping them and whether they should risk their jobs and all this stuff. Yes, it's it's time to step up. If you don't, who do you think is going to do it? The politicians aren't going to do it. All right, let us talk about Blink Sale. You built a business. It is a beautiful thing. You did it because you love doing what you do. Do not spend all your time trying to write invoices and badgering people and not making sure who's paying what. Or what? With BlinkSale, you can send beautiful custom-branded invoices and estimates in seconds. You can stay on top of your outstanding invoices. You can let your customers and clients easily pay your invoices online, and you'll even get instant notifications when a customer opens your invoice so they'll, you'll know they received the bill. Forget about using invoice templates or stressing about coordinating a bunch of different software programs. Blinks, Blink BlinkSale takes care of it all. See for yourself. Try BlinkSale for free at BlinkSale.com slash That's b a L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E dot com slash clavin Blink Sale. Spend less time billing and more time doing what you love if what you love is finding out how to spell Claven, which is K-L-A-V-A-N. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, we will have Spencer Claven, no relation on to talk about the fall of the Roman Republic. He has some really interesting insights uh, about the comparison between that time and now. Here's just some, just some news of the day, right? Two Republican senators introduced an amendment Wednesday to get rid of Columbus Day and make Juneteenth a new federal holiday. Republican Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson and Republican Oklahoma Senator James Langford introduced the amendment to legislation introduced by Republican Texas Senator John Cornyn, which would make Juneteenth a federal holiday. All these guys should be primary. I actually like Ron Johnson. They should all be primary. It, getting rid of Columbus Day and replacing it with Juneteenth, you guys have deserted the barricades. You have deserted the barricades. Columbus is one of the most important figures in American history. June, we have we have a day to celebrate the rise and civil rights of, of black people in America. I agree with that. Uh, it's Martin Luther King Day. This is a day that uh, many Italian-Americans celebrate Blacks are only 13% of the country. Everybody gets a holiday. We should be just celebrating the holidays that that represent American history. These are Republicans. These are Republicans deserting the field. They should be primary. They should be taken out. I don't care what they've done before. They should be gone. Wisconsin students want to tear down statue of Abraham Lincoln, a single-handed symbol of white supremacy. They say expel them. Columbus, Ohio removes Christopher Columbus statue outside of city hall. Carry the guys out of the building, get rid of them. The Boston Arts Commission unanimously voted Tuesday to take down the city's historic Emancipation Memorial. This is the Lincoln statue with the black guy rising uh, from his knees. Hundreds of officials who worked for the former Republican President George W. Bush are set to endorse Democrat White House hopeful Joe Biden. Guess what? Go ahead. You are Joe Biden. You gave us Joe Biden. You gave us Trump. It's your fault because you didn't stand up because these guys are empty vessels, every single one of them. Getting rid of Columbus Day for Juneteenth. You deserve to go. You guys are 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 to blame, not Trump. Trump is at least standing up for something. He's a flawed guy. I get it. He's not perfect, but he is standing up against these guys, and right now, he's standing alone. We should stand with him, and so should you. You're cowards, every damn one of you. All right, let us talk about what's happening in Seattle for a minute, because I I have to just go back to this for a second. The officers are clearing out, the police are now clearing out uh, the choppy chaz, the chazzy chop, uh, that was a a place of murder and uh, uh, vandalism and graffiti and rapes and and All this stuff that I told you, I mean, I have to say, I do try to give you tomorrow's news today, but this was maybe the easiest prediction in human history. This is what happens when you get rid of the police. While the police are clearing this out, according to journalists, you know, I never know how to pronounce his name. It's Andy Ngo. Is it go and go? Do you guys know? Is anybody? No? Okay. Andy, no, we'll call him. If I got it wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, he has been beaten up uh, by Antifa for reporting on who they are, for reporting the fact that they're terrorists, which they are. He is reporting that as the police uh, as the police were tearing down this, this wreckage, or this place of murder and rape and destruction, as they were tearing it down, Antifa was uh, driving around in cars without license plates, carrying guns and saying, we're gonna get you back if we can't riot in this organized protest. We're gonna riot all over the city. We're gonna be committing acts of violence all over the city. This is Andy Noe is reporting this going on. So these are the people, these are the people that Ron Johnson is caving into. These are the people when you start talking about, well, should we have this statue? Should we have that statue? These are the terrorists. You are caving in to terrorists. And if you wonder why Donald Trump, you know, everybody's, oh, Donald Trump this, and Donald Trump that. And he said this, and he wore that, and he all this, and he won't put on a mask. It's it's not him. It's not him. Again, a flawed individual. I get it. It's you. It's Ron Johnson. It's the Republicans for uh, for Bush saying they're going to vote for this brain dead corruption monkey, Joe Biden, who's just going to be a shill for the left. It's you. It's your fault. All you guys who think you're the remnant, who think you're on the ramparts, who think you're the Lincoln project. There is no remnant. The that, that movement is gone. The ramparts are abandoned. You're not representing Lincoln. The only guy defending Lincoln full throatedly, with full-throated power, Donald Trump, for all his flaws. He's the one person, you know, all those people who made fun of Trumpites when they said, well, at least he fights, at least he fights. And everybody said, yeah, at least he fights, but he's Donald Trump. He is, he's awful. He's on, And they kept saying, yeah, but at least he fights. Well, they were right. At least he fights. At least he stands up to these guys. And, and these people just abandoning this, abandoning our traditions, abandoning our statues, basically abandoning America, are they going to show up? The New York Times is telling people that they should close down Mount Rushmore because it was on Indian land. So is the New York Times, by the way. And Mount Rushmore, nobody on Mount Rushmore ever covered up the Holocaust like they did at the New York Times. Nobody sculpted on Mount Rushmore ever covered up the communist starvation of millions of people like the New York Times did. Nobody at Mount Rushmore ever told a lie as blatant and destructive as the 1619 Project over there at the New York Times where they're sitting on Canarsie owned land, land owned by the Canarsie Indians. So, These guys. If we don't stand up to these guys, these guys are terrorists. They hate the country. They're trying to bring it down. There's no conversation going on. This isn't a dialogue. It's not like, well, the Constitution says A. No, no. I think the Constitution sound says B. It's we're saying the Constitution says A, and they're saying you got to match because I'm just going to burn this thing. That's the conversation. There is no conversation. You know, Sean Hannity. God love him. Sean Hannity. Evil. Sean Hannity. Terrible. Destructive. Evil. Right wing. Sean Hannity on the devil station, Fox News, had a a guy named Horace. Lorenzo Anderson, whose 19-year-old son was murdered in the Choppy Chaz. A 16-year-old was murdered there. But African-Americans and blacks, you know, they're, they're, Black Lives Matter, my ass. Here is this man uh, talking about his experience, what it means to him, what Choppy Chaz means to him. Uh, play the first cut. It's incredible. You know, my son's 19, you know, I mean, they should have been, did something about this a long time ago. And I don't, you know, like I say, I'm not, I understand Black Lives Matter and everything was going on and everything, but that's not my movement right now. My movement is let them know that was my son. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Horace Lorenzo Anderson was my son. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not with all this, whatever's going on. With Politics or none of that? None of that. I don't know nothing about that. I don't even know nothing about that. All I know is this was my son and I love him. And I've been having him, man, it's been my son, and this is incredible. And I don't know, that should have been gone a long time ago. Yeah. I I can't play the rest of that because I won't make it through the show, but, you know, that's that's the truth. That's the truth. And it's also true that little babies are being killed in Chicago every weekend. It's true that little children are being shot in, in uh, Chicago every weekend. And what are they doing? What are they talking about in Congress? They're talking about police reform. They're talking about police reform in Congress. That's you know that's the, how how dominated they are by the left-wing press. That's what they think the conversation is about. Why are you having, even having that conversation? Listen, I'm always in favor of reforming the police. I'm always in favor of making sure the police are using their power properly. Most good police officers are, in favor of using their power properly of course but that's why is that the conversation why do they get to set the american dialogue why do we allow just it's because in washington they're surrounded by this ring of ignorance, which is caused by the press. You know, we talk about building a wall on the southern border. They have built a wall around Washington, D.C. So Ron Johnson thinks that he is serving some higher purpose by getting rid of Columbus Day in favor of Juneteenth because he's not talking to the rest of the people. He's not talking to the people. He's not reaching out to, to the people in this country who are watching this, I believe, appalled. You know, they keep saying, well, Black Lives Matter is a popular movement. No, it's not. It just takes a while. It takes a while for the reality to filter in through the lies that the press basically amplifies. That's the problem. The fact that Republicans are running for the hills and they're running for the hills because they're afraid that Trump is going to lose because Trump is, tra- this is the reason, this is the only reason, Trump is trailing in the polls. It, it's not looking really good for him right at this minute. They're afraid he's going to lose and their careers will go down with him. So at least they can say, well, I, I at least got rid of Columbus Day. You know, I at least rena- I got rid of the Lincoln statue. That's why they're doing it. They, they, it's, ca- it's pure, pure cowardice. And when people say at least Donald Trump uh, fight and when they say, oh, Kaylee McEnany, she's my pinup girl. Here, here's why. Let's play the uh, left wing activist who is on, uh, what is it? She's on, uh, not NPR, she's on uh, PBS, I think. Uh, she's going after uh, Kaylee for not saying Black Lives Matter and for not supporting Black Lives Matter. This is Cut Six.
1: Why is the president calling Black
2: Lives Matter a symbol of hate?
0: Well, what the president um, was noting is that uh, that symbol, um, when you look at some of the things that have been chanted by Black Lives Matter, like pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon, um, that's not an acceptable phrase to paint on our streets. Look, he agrees um, that all black lives matter, including that of officer David Dorn, Patrick Underwood, two officers whose lives were tragically taken amid these riots. All black lives do matter. He agrees with that sentiment. But what he doesn't agree with is an organization that chants pigs in a blanket, fry like bacon about our police officers, our valiant heroes who are out on the street protecting us each and every day. You know, I want to make it clear, too, that this, this is not about black and white. It really is not. I, I mean, first of all, on the right, as far as I have seen, you know, I'm a, I always know that there are going to be bad guys everywhere and in every movement. But but the point on the right is, if you are an American, if you stand up for the flag, if you support the founding of this country, if you support the founding ideals in this country. I personally, and I, most of the people I know who are on the right, I don't give a rap what color you are. I don't care what color you are. You can tell me about your color. You can tell me about your lived experience. As long as the food you guys make is good, I'm in. You know, that's it. You bring your culture. You know, as long as, as long as you're, you're being polite and nonviolent and you've got good food, bring your culture. I love it. I understand that blacks have a special history in this country. I understand there's been bad stuff. It's not going away. The past is not going away. It's not disappearing. You can, they're not erasing, the, they're not erasing the past to solve the problems of the past. That's not what's happening. They're erasing the past so that there's no truth but their truth. They're erasing the past so that there's no information but their information. That's what they want to do. And it's, it's the fault again. It is not the fault of the people and it's not the fault of the black people or the white people. any of the people, it's the fault of leaders who are letting these thugs run riot. It's the fault of corporate leaders like the guys at Amazon and the guys at Netflix and the guys at Audible, the people who are sitting around going, yeah, we support Black Lives Matter. Well, screw you, you know, just sell me a book. Just do your damn job. Nobody cares that you're addressing the problems of the nation. You don't even know what the problems of the nation are. Just make some money, create some jobs, hire people. This is a complete failure of leadership. It's a failure of corporate leadership. It's a failure of Republican leadership. The Democrat leadership isn't even worth talking about. They're just evil. And the Trump stands alone and again with all his flaws with all the mistakes he may have made he has stood up for this country he has never backed down from standing up for this country He has done more for black people in his administration than Barack Obama ever did for his he's he's getting great we'll talk about it in just a second the great jobs numbers he's getting he's sta- he is standing alone and all these people on the right who are deserting him and think that's going to save their reputation. Believe me, believe me, you are screwed because the movement you supported, the movement you think Trump destroyed, was already gone when he rose up. He rose up because it was gone. He didn't destroy the conservative movement. The conservative movement was gone as it stood before. And now Trump is what we've got. He's the only hope we've got, and he's standing alone, and we have to stand with him. It's just that simple. You know, he he was on, uh, he gave a brief presser today Jobs are coming back. They're storming back. We had a great, great, uh, great, great numbers for June. Amazing numbers. And they came out like 10 seconds before they came out. uh, They were telling us they weren't going to be this good. Here's Trump's presser. Play the first clip.
1: The United States economy added almost 5 million jobs in the month of June, shattering all expectations. I was watching this morning and the expectations were much lower than that. The stock market is doing extremely well, which means to me jobs. That's what it means, jobs. This is the largest monthly jobs gain in the history of our country. 7.5 million jobs created in the last two months alone. Today's announcement proves that our economy is roaring back. It's coming back extremely strong. We have some areas where we're putting out the flames or the fires, and that's working out well. We're working very closely with governors And I think it's working out very well. I think you'll see that shortly.
0: So his talk is divisive, he's sometimes rude, his tweets are stupid. What have you done, Ron Johnson when you're ch- when you get rid of Columbus Day and you put uh, Juneteenth in there? What is that doing? He's creating jobs He, he always does he, this is what he does. you know I, I get it I, I do get it. I've scored him. You've heard me attack him for all the things that are wrong with him. That has nothing to do with it. He stands alone fighting for the country, defending the country. and when the people just said when all those people that that the intellectuals mocked said, well, at least he fights at least he fights. At least he does fight. It, I just play the closing statement because it, it just it's just the kind of thing we want to hear more of from it.
1: So I want to thank everybody for being here today. These are historic numbers in a time that uh, a lot of people would have wilted. They would have wilted, but we didn't wilt and our country didn't wilt. And I'm very honored to be your president. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: That's just. That's just what you want. To, that's what we want to hear. You know, the Washington Post. Uh, Tracy Jan in the Washington Post writes a piece about Minneapolis. Minneapolis that has become more and more left wing over the years. in in Minnesota, which has become more and more left-wing over the years. He says, taxes for decades have been redistributed from wealthy suburbs to poorer communities to combat inequality, an effort bolstered in recent years by raising state income taxes on the rich. The result, more money for schools, affordable housing, and social services in lower-income neighborhoods. But the prosperity fueled by the region's Fortune 500 companies and progressive policies has not translated into economic equality. Instead, the wealth gap between Minneapolis's largely white population and the city's black residents has deepened, producing some of the nation's widest racial disparities in income, employment, and home ownership. And why? It's because economists, lawyers, and civil rights advocates in the Twin Cities say progressive tax policies could not make up for other aspects, aspects of structural racism. So leftism failed more leftism. You know, that's why we on the right don't do race, because it doesn't help people to do race. If you look at the Native Americans, it hasn't helped them for whites to express their guilt by treating them differently. It doesn't help black people. Be- you know, why Why do you think, why do you think they give Ta-Nehisi Coates, white people give Ta-Nehisi Coates every award? Why do you think they let that clown, Nicole Hannah-Jones, work at the New York Times, and nobody fires her for lying? Why do you think they don't fire her for lying? Because they know that these guys are white are what white people want. They are what white people want. They give them a nice feeling of guilt and they do jack diddly crap for poor or black people. You know, they do nothing for them. Ta Nehisi does nothing for black people. Who does something for black people? Donald Trump. Donald Trump because he builds jobs, he builds the economy it is just absolutely America what, what are they talking about in Congress they're talking about uh, um, uh, restitution for slavery they're talking about paying people back for slavery you know this is what Sheila Jackson Lee play, play the Sheila Jackson Lee cup this is she is the Republican from the Democrat I'm sorry congresswoman from Texas this 13 member commission established by the federal government answers the question that is not The individual act of holding slaves, it is the government sanction that denied African-Americans their equality and as well the government's responsibility with this 13 member commission to design the responses to the continued death, murder and inequities in our community. This is America's responsibility to pay the American government's responsibility
2: to pay her debt.
0: We we have no debt. This is ridiculous. We can't. First of all, this is a woman whose family is from Jamaica. Does she get paid just because her skin is black? You you know, my my people came over long after slavery was gone. Do I have to pay because my skin is white? It's it's racism. And you don't think it's racism. You don't think it's racism. Listen to Tim Scott, who actually put forward a decent police reform bill. Listen to him talking about the reactions he's getting from liberal Democrats. Okay, we had dozens, more than a dozen of them. I only played two of them, which were the most Uh, racially offensive comments from liberals in this country that called to say that I was in their crosshairs, that it was so profanity laced, you can't play five seconds of those videos on your show because there are that many F-bombs, the N-word by liberal uh, Democrats causing a stir in my office, threatening my life. It is the most audacious repugnant behavior i've seen in a very long time and and you don't have to go to you don't have to take his word for it. senator scott's word for it the protesters are yelling at the police in new york and these are white kids most of them they're yelling at the police in new york here's what they're yelling listen to this you guys go to clown college
2: for like 26 weeks Uh, you know a hairdresser has to go to school for longer than you do oh half of you don't even a college education to be out here making demands about the people when you can't even read a history book and know where you work from. But you want to sit here and tell me that you're educated
1: enough to make demands about you know nothing about. (laughs)
0: <laughs> These are socialists telling workers that, hey, we're the socialists. You're just the workers. We're the ones, <laughs> you know, you don't have a college education. We're we're socialists. We, w- we went to college. We're socialists. You're just workers. What, what do you, you know, we have nothing to do with you. I mean, it is a, Indiana Congressman uh, Jim Banks has a, an essay at The American Mind. He says this. Take a closer look at the mob. A new study by Pew Research says only one-sixth of the protesters are black. Four out of five are Democrats. This is not the poor working class fighting for a liv- livable wage. It's an act of performance art staged and underwritten by our nation's elite in the tradition of Woodstock or Occupy Wall Street. Why do you think the corporate media, media is a big, the news media is a big corporations. These are big corporations. Why do you think they're supporting this? He goes on. This isn't a proletarian revolution. This is a generational fight within our ruling elite class. For decades, the elites have taught their children that America is a bad place. It's an evil country. They say to be patriotic is to be ignorant about America's many sins. Be woke. The upper classes bark at their kids. Open your eyes to all that is wrong with the U.S. and its history. Well, the children have internalized their parents' messages, and they've come to the conclusion if you're not actively revolting against the system, i.e. destroying America's institutions, you're enabling it. The irony is that these people are are the system. You've probably received dozens of emails from multinational corporations promising to fight injustice or systemic racism in recent weeks. Silicon Valley executives have become quite transparently hostile toward prominent figures for failing to share the accepted talking points. One writer put it this way, this is a revolution that comforts the comfortable. Why do you think, why do you think these multinational, huge corporations are supporting mobs in the streets? Do you think it's because the mobs are going to help the poor? Do you think it's because they are the poor? They're not, you know, they're just not. I mean, the thing is, black Americans are catching on. Some black Americans are catching on. There was this, play the, vi- the uh, rap guy, the rap star. Uh, I can't remember his name, but play, play this clip. Now, I'm not no
1: Black Lives Matter supporter. Like, you're that. not? No, absolutely. Why not? Because it's not our
0: movement. This is a movement that was given to us by, you know, George Soros and his boys. Um, because they saw how things were going and they didn't want it to go back to the 60s to where we start having our own organic movements. That was a big problem for them. So let's give the people a movement that we can control. We'll provide them the leaders and all of this type of shit. And, um, yeah, that's what Black Lives Matter is. The Washington Post runs an article saying socialist Minneapolis and socialist Minnesota is increasing inequality must be because of the racism because the socialism helps the elite. It always does this. It guts the middle class and it makes the elite the power elite, not the money elite. So you have to go to them to make any money. You have to go to them for everything. That's what the elite wants. The power the socialism always helps the elite. That's why they're doing this. That's why the elite are in the streets. They're not fighting for America. They're not fighting for black Americans. They're not fighting for anything, but for themselves. All right. Ben Shapiro has a uh, a new book coming out. It is called, wait a minute, I'm sorry. It is called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Uh, ben has been plotting how to do this, and now he's going to reveal his ugly secret. Sequ- no, it's not. This is a book about what he calls disintegrationism. Uh, you can pre-order your copy at dailywire.com Ben, or you can find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. The book covers two fundamentally different visions for America that are now on the table. One vision finds unity in shared philosophy, culture, and history. The other disintegrates our country in the name of fundamental change. You loved his last book, The Right Side of History. Now Shapiro covers all of the ground that you want him to cover with about what's going on today, how to destroy America, and three easy you steps. Pre-order your copy at dailywire.com dailywire.com slash Ben Barnes and Noble or Amazon to get the full picture of this very strange moment in history. Uh, Also, while you're ordering things, go to dailywire.com and sign up for the Reader's Pass. It's only three bucks a month, 99 cents for the first month, and you get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, and access to exclusive editorials like this one by Walsh. Activist wants imagined to be our new anthem. It's the worst song ever written. Walsh is 100% uh, correct about this. All right, we've got Spencer Clavin, No Relation, coming up to talk about the fall of the Roman Republic and what it means today. All right. Spencer Clavin, no relation. He insists we have a contract. He insists I say that. Spencer Clavin, <laughs> He is assistant editor of the Claremont Review of Books, my single favorite magazine in America. And he is also working at The American Mind, where I just read that great essay. There are lots of great essays. We're here, though, because he has a podcast called Young Heretics, which you can get at youngheretics.com or wherever
2: podcasts are got. And Hey, Spence. It's good, hey. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Spencer Clever, No Relation is actually, I've, I've legally changed my name in full to Spencer Clever, Relation. That's sort of how <laughs> I'm going to be known for now. That, that, all
0: right. Spencer Clever, No Relation. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you. Young Heretics is about, you could say it's about truth and beauty and the stuff that matters. It's about Western culture going all the way back to, uh, you know, ancient Israel and ancient Greece. Why? Let's start with this. Why should we even talk about this at all? I mean, everything's going crazy and people are, you know how conservatives are. They're always worried about the moment. Why should we be talking about the past at this moment?
2: yeah you know it's funny people immediately their reaction when everything goes so nuts is to just you know dive into the news and 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 panic and obsess over each headline and obviously it's it's really important to be watching the news right now and to be engaged in what's going on but these kinds of moments are actually exactly the time when you want to be looking to the great wisdom of the past and the great moments of history this is you know if if we had an academy in this country, right? If there if there were college professors out there that were not completely cowed by the left, this would be their moment to shine. This would be the time that, you know, they'd be out there giving you all of the fruits of their wisdom. But instead, you know, over in the UK, in Cambridge, you've got professors saying things like white lives don't matter. You know, the academy are the bad guys now. So the, basically, young heretics one of the things we're trying to do is give you the classical education that you should have gotten, but you might have been denied. You know, So we're, we're, we're kind of turning now to some of these great moments of, of turmoil and chaos in history and trying to help people understand our own moment of turmoil and chaos.
0: You know, the reason I asked you on is you did a show recently on the Persians, the Greek play The Persians. And in the show, you had a brilliant talk about what they what the there was a Greek word for it, which I've now, of course, forgotten. But it was a, it meant the cycle of regimes, basically. Yeah. And right. it comes to mind at this moment. Explain what the cycle of regimes is.
2: Yeah. So whenever a nation or a people is in great chaos and civil unrest like we are now, it's kind of a good time to start thinking about this Greek tradition. It's called anacyclosis, is the Greek word that you probably forgot. Um, And, you know, the the ancient Greeks were very sophisticated about this. They were good at thinking about the way that different regimes work, different constitutions and governments and how empires fall. A lot of it they thought had to do with pride or they called it hubris. You know, we we have kind of a a modern version of this, which is, you know, you know, hard times make tough men. Tough men make good times. Good times make soft men. Soft men make bad times. And we're kind of in the you know good times make soft men period right now. But you know they they were very they had a very detailed sort of way. Aristotle Polybius especially is known for this. The the Greek historian of Rome, and basically the way it works is you know you have three basic types of regime. You can have rule by one guy by a strong man, and that's a a monarchy. You can have rule by a few elites, that's oligarchy. And then you can have rule by the people, and that's democracy. But none of those, you know, we tend to think of that and think, you know, we're Americans, so we think we hate monarchy. We think, oh, monarchy's bad, you know, democracy's good. But I think that's, that's kind of not the whole picture. You know, the Greeks believed that all three of these regimes had good and bad versions, and that as time went by and the people got complacent, each version could kind of corrupt into its bad version. So if you have a king who's genuinely interested in the virtue and the good of the people, who's following what the Greeks might have called the logos or the kind of truth of, of, of reason, and, and goodness, then you have a, a, a true monarchy. And that's great. You know, that's sort of how things are supposed to be working. But if you have somebody that just, you know, maybe the, the, the son of the king is kind of a spoiled brat and he takes over and he's too proud, you know, that's tyranny. That's, you know, that's where you get all, all of the stuff that, you know, America revolted against. And so usually what happens when you have a tyranny is then like a few good men kind of come up, that Polybius says, and take over You know depose the king and take over and so then you get an oligarchy which is good you know the virtuous the best men um or or this would be called an aristocracy because it's the bet that's the greek word for the best people right then the same thing happens basically uh, aristocracy bit just becomes ruled by kind of cronyism people just pass on stuff power to their friends and you get this little tiny elite we've got that now in in the tech world right in silicon valley this you know we started out so excited about all these guys are going to you know take us into the future the facebooks and the twitters and the digital revolution and then suddenly we realized no actually what they're going to do is they're going to shore up power into themselves and be this little gang of of elites crushing all the free speech out there so that's kind of you know that's aristocracy decaying into oligarchy. And then you get after oligarchy, you get the the people coming up and seizing power. And that's where you get democracy. The people kind of are free, but they they live by the laws. This is the good version of that, which we forget all the time, right? In the modern world, we say, oh yeah, freedom, democracy, right? We just do whatever you want. But no, the Greeks, I mean, the Spartans actually were were known for, for believing in this. Demaratus, the Spartan king said, you know, the Greeks live by freedom and their laws. Those are the two things that they love. And when you forget the and their laws part, then you get <laughs> what, what we're doing now, which is mob rule. And then what happens after mob rule? Well, some big strong man comes up and you start the cycle again because the strong man just sort of quells the mob or leads the mob basically using the military and becomes the king again. And so we're kind of, I mean, what's funny about this is it's so, it used to be very basic, very fundamental to the way thing, people thought about government. And it's fundamental because it's it's basic and true. I mean, you look at like Chaz or Chop, that autonomous zone that they made in Seattle, and you watch these kids basically and and thugs taking over the streets and you think oh great like wait five minutes and what's going to happen you're going to get a warlord and in fact of course you did there a warlord arose because that's how the cycle of regime works and it's it's kind of it, it's a little heartbreaking to sort of see it play out because it's just so obvious to anybody who's schooled in this stuff but i do think that it can so, help us understand.
0: yeah so i mean we're, we're at this moment where it seriously looks like the, the republic is devolving. We're in that moment in the cycle of regimes when the republic starts to devolve into chaos and strong men step up. I mean, you and I were talking uh, off camera, and, and we both almost simultaneously started to compare this to a moment in uh, Roman the history of the Roman Republic, which is sometimes called the era of the Gracchi, which does sound a little like a, a Warner Brothers character, but but still. <laughs> so... so what, how, what is the similarity between us, where we are in our republic, and where the Roman Republic, where where would you put us on the timeline with the Roman
2: Republic? Yeah, so this is where I think, I mean, this is going to be the next episode of Young Heretics that I record so people can kind of like learn about this moment if they want to. Um but in a nutshell, right, so we're talking here about like 133 BC and thereabouts, which is kind of the beginning, the Romans looked back on this as the beginning of the end of their republic. They thought this is when we started, before we had all of this turmoil between the rich and the poor, and, and they would, you know, they would fight back and forth, but they never actually physically fought. They never broke out into open violence. And now this is, you know, the, the great historians of this period, people like Appian and Plutarch look back and say, you know, this is when people, Romans took up arms against Romans and everything kind of deteriorated. It was, the, it was the beginning of the end of the Republic. And basically what happened is like Rome, a lot like America got just way, way bigger than even in their wildest dreams, they could have hoped to get when they were starting out. They started out, you know, first they were this monarchy, then they they took power and became a Republic, which is a kind of mixed regime. And they, and they just, you know, they ballooned out into Italy and Africa and Greece. And so they had all of this land, right? And what should have happened is that the, the middle class should have basically taken the land and, and gone and developed new Rome's. But instead, what happened is that the rich kind of a few rich families like just grabbed all of this power. And that created all of this kind of personal unrest, which I think, you know, we're getting a lot of that now too. You're getting a ton of people on the right and the left, young, young kids that just feel like they can't have children because the world is so terrible. And this is something that the Romans noticed that that people weren't having kids because they were just despairing. Yeah. Like we can't make money. We can't make any money. So why have kids? And so there's all of this, just this ball of mob energy, which is also, again, there's tons of that out there and and a lot of times you think when that happens that the next thing is going to be well that we're going to have a people's revolution but more often than not what happens is a very talented rich educated smart guy comes along and just like sort of manipulates this big mob and you know that's again that's what's really going on i mean that that article that you read from the american mind before this is about that. it's about the fact that this looks this is being represented as a kind of popular uprising but really what it is is it's a bunch of popular rage a bunch of kind of regular folks that feel like they are without god like they have like they're despairing and then it's 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 like rich people manipulating that it's the the billionaires of the world kind of taking that over and that's what happened in Rome, with the Gracchi, and
0: continue. on the on the other side of this, I mean, in the in the Senate, they had all the kind of uh, upper class people in the Senate, and they weren't doing much either, though. I mean, if you if you call them the left, if you call the people who were right. rioting and the people who took them over the left, uh, and the elite left, but the but the elites in the Senate were
2: kind of kind of had stopped doing anything too, right? I mean, isn't that true? No. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. It's, it's like, this is what we call conservative ink now in uh, (laughs) on the right, you know, the, the, like all the think tanks and the senators and the comfortable aristocrats that say they want you know, to help the the little guy, but they're actually they're perfectly happy with like massive illegal immigration and, and, you know, people losing all of their jobs because they are the ones having their lawns watered, frankly, you know, they're yeah. the, that's that, that, you know, so that's, you got that in the Senate too. You got the rich just basically. Dragging their feet about this, which left the way open for Tiberius Gracchus and then his brother Gaius after him to basically like promise he was going to undo the injustices of the past, which is another big theme right now, right? That that Black Lives Matter and reparations. We've had these terrible injustices in the past, and now we're just going to like reach back into the past and find some way to give everything back where it should be. Always a bad move. Never works. The way forward, I think. Yeah. yeah. Start going. Well, the way I think that one of the big lessons from this period in history is you always think that the way to change things is to go backward and undo what happened before. But the way forward is always outward. That's how Rome got great originally. That's how we got great. We had the Homestead Act. We had this vast sense of expansion, getting new stuff. That's where the hope is for me. Right. Elon Musk going to space, go like out into the world, colonizing things. Yeah. Leaving the past behind, like ironically, looking at the past in this case teaches us that what we should be doing is letting bygones be bygones and moving forward. You know, it's
0: it's ultimately because of the violence between the two sides. Uh, Julius Caesar brought his army uh, into Rome. I was I was there. By I remember Chris Cuomo going on and saying, "Where does it say that you can't cross the Rubicon with your uh, armies?" (laughs) Which which it actually did. Was right there in the Roman Constitution. But but he was basically a populist guy. You know, saying, "I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring order." Uh, And he was killed by the aristocracy for declaring the empire. But basically, the republic was through. Let me ask you: We're we're out of time already, but I just want to ask you this. Do you think that this cycle of regimes, and we are in obviously one part of that cycle of regime, is it reversible? Is it delayable? I mean, is it fate?
2: Where where do you stand on that? You know, my whole career up to this point has been haunted by that question. And (laughs) I think there's a line in the Persians, which is the episode we did about this uh, on Young Heretics, there's a line in the persians that speaks to this when the great king darius sees the fall of the empire that he's worked to build and he says the prophecies are being fulfilled, but when a man is proud, he hastens them along. And so I think, mm. you know, I, I, I think everything dies. I think if, if the American republic is yeah. going to transform something new, that may be something that is out of our control. But what is in our control is what we do today in the stream of this of this historical m- movement. So, no, it's not like this is just like a death sentence. It, it matters yeah. tremendously how we choose to live our lives.
0: All right, I gotta stop you there. The podcast is called Young Heretics. Go to youngheretics.com or anywhere podcasts are it's a it's a terrific podcast, Ben. I'm really proud of it. It's you're doing a great job. That's uh, very kind of you to say. Thanks for having me. on. Great see- <laughs> All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> okay, see you. Uh, well, there that, I think that's the best advice I can close with for July 4th. Uh, you know, a lot of people writing me and asking me, how do I do this? How do I stand up? How do I uh, face my friends when they cancel me on Facebook? How do I face my employer when he's threatening me if I don't show up for the racial uh, study program? The answer is you got to be a hero. It's time. This is it. It's the time for heroes, and the heroes are us. Uh, That's a sad statement. I wish it weren't true. I wish you could just go about your life. I wish I could just go about my life. I truly do. Uh, But that's not... These aren't the times, uh, Frodo. You know, we've got this... uh, we pulled this straw. And so you're going to have to be a quiet hero. You're just going to have to show up for the Fourth of July. You're going to have to go to the fireworks. You're going to have to celebrate the day. You're going to have to stand up to the people telling you you're not allowed. You're going to have to stand up for the people who say silence is uh, is collusion. Uh, You know, you're going to have to say, well, I won't be silent. I'm going to say, this is a great country. We need to preserve it. We need to preserve it at all costs, and we need to preserve it against these movements, no matter what they call themselves. We have to preserve America first. I got to go. Have a great weekend. Have a fabulous fourth. Be there and be back if you survive the Clavenless fourth. Be back on Monday for The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire, 2020.
2: Fauci takes his mask off, city's shut down again, and I catch potential Joe Biden running mate Karen Bass in a major lie. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.